Hello and welcome to episode number one of High Roll Radio. This is a live TFT call-in show where you, the viewer, are just as much a part of the show as we are. Uh, I'm Nick Pasquale, also known as Gangly. Today I'm joined by two very special guests. They are Frodan and Spicy Appies, both of which come, they're coming off their performances, so to speak, at North American Regionals. We're a bit, a bit out of the way, but... Uh, Dan, Appies, appreciate you both being here. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Yeah, no, I'm just uh, trying to figure out what to do with my life now that regionals is over and, and there's nothing going on in the TFT world for a couple months. So just enjoying streaming, enjoying being on this, uh, watching some Smash as a Pokemon, you know. You don't, uh, you don't really strike me as like a, a Sivir abuser, right, Appies? You're not like a... Oh, we're just jumping right into it. Oh. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. No, it's time. Right the meat of, okay, the meat of the... Yeah, forget how I'm <laughs> no, doing. No, no, no. We'll, get, we'll circle back to Dan. <laughs> yeah, no, I am... Um, okay, I played one game of Sivir today, and someone in chat called me a Sivir abuser. Tense that I have not played a game of Sivir. But, no, sorry, I didn't play it all over the weekend. And then I came back, and I feel like like everyone... I looked at Twitter, and I, I you know, started streaming, everyone was like, Sivir, Sivir. So, like, every other comment was about Sivir. And then I load into a game, and I just see like three Sivir players bought four, and I'm like, oh, and, you know, I'm like, okay, it's a fluke, it's a fluke. And then like the next, I don't know, the next like like six or seven games, I've seen Sivir top four maybe like twice, which I I think it's because it's so popular, everyone's contesting each other, and they're all missing and shit. But I don't know, I it, yeah, I don't see the issue as being huge so far, but I also haven't played much of the patch, and particularly, you know, I didn't play all weekend, so. I don't know. I know War is super strong, though. That, that guy is still a fucking menace. Dan, have you been uh, spending your time since regionals? Uh, I've been mainly watching a lot of TFT. I've been watching other regionals uh, broadcasts. I rewatch, of course, my own cast as well, trying to be perfectionist about that. Uh, I've been playing a decent amount, climbing on a second account, trying to get... Uh, I get two counts of challenger and then just use both of them to see like how I'm feeling. Like one of them's like dedicated to learning, one of them's dedicated to sweating. Uh, which is really fun because the way it works is usually the count that you use for learning ends up doing a lot better. Because probably <laughs> the count that you use for sweating, you're probably tunneling way too hard in general, or like may maybe just like the the MMR puts you in really tough ranges, and so the gains aren't as good, or vice versa. So I've been uh, I've just been playing a lot of TFT uh, and, and watching a lot for the most part. Um, OC finished, so we watched that. Korea finished. That was pretty fun. Uh, the one thing that I can't help but notice is that North America seems to be the only region that doesn't have any kind of studio, no good lands, uh, no fan interaction. It just there's just nothing. We got online, myself, Bryce, Nathan, and Doa. I'm a little bit bummed about that because I feel like every other region got to play and we did not. Yeah, I actually I want to talk about that. But uh, before we do, I, I just want to explain kind of how this show works for everyone that's watching. So like I said, this is a call in show. So the way this works is that if you're watching right now, you can actually call in, give us your takes, your opinions, anything related to TFT, and we'll talk about it with you live on the show. So this is the way it works in chat. I'm going to be spamming this command. This is how you get into the discord channel. Get into the Discord. On there, you'll see a Submit Topics channel. That's where you are going to submit your topic. You can you know, give us your take there. Maybe you want to say, stats are useless, gangly. Stop posting these useless things that aren't going to you know, actually say anything about, about regionals. Uh, Solus isn't that good. 
Maybe you want to talk about whatever it is. Give us your takes there. When when you're done with your take, go into the waiting room voice channel and mute yourself. Don't deafen, just mute yourself. If we like your take, we're going to bring you in for a quick mic check, make sure that the equipment works, and then from there you'll be brought onto the broadcast. Um, so if you didn't understand what I just said, I also wrote everything out in Discord, so it should be pretty clear. Uh, so feel free to populate that while we just kind of talk for a, little, for a little bit until we bring some people onto the show. Um, but Dan, you, you just talked about us not having the, the studio broadcast. It, it Actually, I was thinking just the other day about how set five, we actually did have it, right? The casters were in studio, even though the players weren't. How, what was that like kind of going from having the studio experience, which I think was the first time you had ever casted TFT in studio, right? Now going back yes. to remote, I'm sure, I'm well, sure it felt like a step back, right? I, I actually did do studio shows previously in set two. It was actually the first time I casted TFT. It was with Doa for set two back when uh, some then relatively unknown players like Grand Vice 8, <laughs> as he went by back then, uh, was participating in open tournaments alongside Delicious Milk, GG, and Crowen. These were like the established players back then. <laughs> Um, so those, that was like the last time I had casted TFT in studio prior to set five regionals. And then, you know, ever since then, it just feels like TFT casting is really fun for sure from my own home and bedroom. But I, I feel like I, I was telling this on my stream yesterday, casting from home is like playing an augment down. I feel like I'm <laughs> casting an augment down. I, I'm just not as good as I, I, as I, as I used to be when I'm like in studio and, I just feel like I'm nerfed. I imagine it's harder, right? Like even just like the energy has got to be different. I uh, absolutely. Sorry. So I, just for clarity, I totally messed up my schedule. Usually, this is the time where I'm supposed to be planning team fight talk show, but then I messed up because of daylight <laughs> savings and I didn't adjust my calendar, so I'm late. Uh, but I was just like, okay, I'm doing a podcast right now, so I apologize for that. Uh, <laughs> there's just so much chaos uh, in terms of like things going on in TFT, and so uh, you know, I, I need to get better to be on top of my stuff. Um, anyways, but yes, I think that uh, casting TFT when you're in studio, um, there's just like a different energy, like being able to feed off of working with Bryce and uh, Doa and Admirable and you know Necra, you know, even between segments and overall like. Uh, there's just there's just something different, and and it's it's the same kind of like abstract feeling that you know Appies is going to talk about when he competes in regionals. It's just a different environment, even though functionally nothing has changed. He's still sitting in his chair. He's still playing on his setup. He's probably listening to the same music and seeing the same viewers in chat. But yet, oh, yeah. all of a sudden, everything changes when he's in that environment. And the same thing happens in a, a studio broadcast for sure. So. Appies, obviously you haven't played TFT live in a studio or like in a in an arena or anything like that. But I know you come from Smash, and I assume if you come from Smash that you've played in in some sort of LAN event. I'm assuming it hasn't only been Wi-Fi. I know you actually were you were PR'd in New Hampshire, correct? Yeah, so you were yeah. like actually one of the best players in New Hampshire. So you're. I mean, that's like the, the biggest raccoon in the, the dumpster. But yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I mean, so how did I mean how did that compare? Playing playing like you know a, yeah. a live event versus kind of the stakes that uh, maybe obviously for regionals you're still at home you're still behind your computer but like the pressure is there. Yeah, so I think uh, we'll talk about regionals a little bit first, and so regionals, you know, as Dan said, was uh, was definitely different from the atmosphere of a lot of other tournaments. Right? Uh, it was the first 
big event I've been in. Like, they, I've been in big events, obviously, but like the first like humongous event, you know, the first world's qualifier, the biggest thing for sure I've been in. And I didn't think it was uh, I didn't think it was that different day one. You know, I was kind of doing my own thing. Uh, and then day two, I had like one low roll game in my mental, which normally is normally it's pretty good. And then I think in tournament, like I low roll, like I move past it, whatever. I had one low roll game in the beginning of day one. In my mental was so shit the rest of the day. I, I couldn't play the game. I was playing so badly the rest of uh, day two. Um, and it feels it felt very similar to a Smash tournament. You know, like it's it's like game five. Uh, it's like game five, and everyone's just spaghettiing all over the place. There's like a, a video out there somewhere of me and an Arcadian in Maine, like a couple of years ago. And you know, in the moment, I was like, "Oh man, I'm playing like the best Smash in my fucking life. I'm I'm rock and roll. I had like reverse three would and and uh, and like loser Sammy's or something." And um, I watched the vods back, and it is some of the worst Smash Bros. <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> It, like I, I like both of us just like put our controllers down and just were like rolling our faces across it, like dropped everything. And then I think day two, uh, I think I, I've competed in Smash enough to the point now where I can recognize when that kind of feeling's happening. And day two I was like, holy shit, I'm spaghettiing so hard. Like, like I, I am playing some grody ass TFT right now. Um, I don't think it was that bad necessarily, but it, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't great. But it's definitely a pressure thing. So it was very similar to pressure in like a in person Smash event for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's something about, I mean, so I've never, I've never competed like super high stakes stuff. Uh, I come from Melee. I've competed like some locals, done like decent. It was never quite good enough to get power ranks. But I think everybody kind of has, everyone has like a level that's just quite above them that gives them a certain level of pressure, right? Like no matter how you good, like whether you're the kid going O and two at your locals or or you're like golden TFT to to a gold player, it's like finally playing in a lobby where everybody has a platinum border. Like, you're always going to have that moment that, like, gives you that pressure and makes your heart and your chest kind of, like, tighten up, right? I think, like, that's... Oh, yeah. That's, like, that's, that's where you're really born to figure out, like, how far am I going to go in this game? It's, like, how you deal with, like, that tightness when it overcomes you and you have to figure out, like, what what is my next move to, to improve? Um, can, I, can I tell a quick yeah, story about that? Before. Like, two seconds? So in my, that, my moment like that in TFT, the first time I ever, I was in set three. I was uh, I was getting into the game for the first time. I mean, this is the 3.5. Uh, I had gotten to master the end of set three. I was, I was like, okay, how far can I bring this TFT game uh, for myself? And so I load in like a master 100 LP and I have the Skara in my lobby. I'm like, holy shit, there's a professional player in my lobby. I, I'm, I'm gonna shit my pants. I, I, was, I was freaking out. Uh, and so I load in, I have like the most Hyrule battle cast opener of my life. I send Skara fifth after having a really poorly played fourth. And I, like, I was like, holy shit. Like, this is what I'm doing the rest of my life, baby. <laughs> no, I felt so good. Um, but you know, the oh, pressure, okay. like, even that kind of situation is, is terrible. Like, it's, you know, uh, like I played that game horribly. Luckily, Skara played it worse. <laughs> but, um. <laughs> Sometimes it's like that, though. Not really. I'm sure Skara is, uh, Skara is, is pretty free on ladder these days. He's definitely <laughs> taking it pretty casually. He's having fun. Uh, every time I queue in, I like a lot of times in TFT, I'm just kind of like chilling, turning my brain off. A lot of times I'm multitasking while doing other things. And then when Scar is in my lobby, though, I sit up, I fix my posture, I dial up. <laughs> I, I have to first check if he's streaming, right? Because there's like this ego in the line if his viewers are watching. Mm -hmm. Just because I don't want to make it seem like I'm a slouch, right? If he's like, if because the thing is, he does so many other different things in life. TFT is just like a fun side thing. I and TFT is like my entire life on top of Twitch. 
and my cat and my and my wife. So like I don't have many other excuses. So I, I need to make sure that I beat him. So I, I full sweat with scars in the lobby and I hard position for him if he's in my pool. It's a good time. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean I, I if I have one thing on Scara and I I only have one thing on Scara, it's TFT. So. I, I remember, so the first time I started to like really take TFT seriously and like say that I, I want to improve this game. I, I want to see how good I can get uh, was set two. And at the time, and actually it was, it's kind of weird because I I first found Ace of Spades who had a, a video out on, um, I forget what the, the comp was called. It was a Woodland Assassin comp in set two, if you guys remember that. Oh yeah. I one tricked that thing so hard until I think probably like Diamond. And then I was like, let me try and figure out some some lol chess profile, see what's working. And I found uh, a, an account on the North American server by the name Mino Zerks, which for those who are familiar, who aren't familiar, that is Gunmay. Uh, in my opinion, one of the yeah. one of the greatest European players, <laughs> and and at the time the best berserker one trick. So I looked at every single one of his uh, his his match profile, uh, his match histories figure out what, what was working, what's not, blah, blah, blah. And I started one-tricking Berserkers all the way to Masters. Uh, and at the time, Giant Slayer's Fight Night, the requirement wasn't Masters, it was Diamond 2, I think, or Diamond 4, some, something around there. As soon as I hit the requirement, I submitted an application for Fight Night. I got in, and on the first night that I got to play, I got to play against Gunmei. This actually, this lobby. Keep in mind, I'm like a I'm like a random diamond player. The lobby I'm playing against is Gunmay, Fluffy, Nature's, Solus, uh, some who I forget who it was. It was like six like top fifteen players. It was like the most disgusting thing. And Gunmay was like, "Hey, Gangly, you can have Berserkers." And I actually like I tied with Nature's for second on the night, just one tricking uh, Berserkers, which I had no idea what I was doing. Actually, it was just the Berserkers were super broken at the time. Um, but all that to say, to round out, there, there, everybody's gonna have that moment where like your back's against the wall and you have to just like you really gotta show up. Um, and it's fun to like actually be able to say that you came out on the other side with a dub. Um, Oh, yeah. And then Nature's shortly then retired because of the embarrassment. I have secondhand embarrassment watching Nature's tie with Gangly. And then Nature said, you know what? I'm going to go work for Wisdom in Giant Slayer. <laughs> so that's how, uh, that's, that's how it worked. And then Fluffy actually just straight up retired from TFT, period. And then Gunmay can't retire, even though he really wants to. Uh, just keeps coming <laughs> back so for all true. those dopamine hits. And Solus is, uh, well, 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 we lost him to... Well, Lost Ark. The True. best game ever made. Lost Ark. Um, I, I wanted to ask you both, while we're still getting a couple more takes in, how do you how do you feel about our representatives for Worlds this year? In North America? In North America the North American reps. Uh, let's see. Okay, so uh, we can start from the top. So Milk won. I feel really confident. Uh, Milk actually was telling me, I think, that if the patch, rather, if... Worlds was played today. He thinks that he has the highest chance of the entire field to win the world championship, which is very shocking because I think most people can't wait for this patch to be over. And Milk strongly believes that he has an edge and no, he would not be playing Silver as like a, a big portion of his game plan or like a lot of the common reroll stuff. So I'm really fascinated by that concept. Uh, and so I think that 
Uh, milk is very dangerous, assuming that the patch is something close to what we have right now. But we still have a major patch coming in, I think, 12.7 before Worlds uh, kicks in. Um, so we'll see if that ends up being the case. So Milk is probably, despite being like, you know, a guy that feels like he's unprepared for this set by his own self-admission, I think he's in great form. And we'll see if he's able to follow up his performance from last set. Uh, for Goose, uh, Goose told me that last week was the first time he ever VOD reviewed in his life. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, wow, when you watch your own play, you see all the mistakes that you make. Huh, I should do this more often. I, I'm, I'm almost quoting verbatim. I'm not even exaggerating. Don That's so insane. To which I, I didn't even know what to say. I was speechless. I say, first of all, that is shocking, borderline offensive that you are this good <laughs> without VOD reviewing. <laughs> Two, like, how good are you going to get if you actually start VOD reviewing? Like, I can't, I can't even comprehend that. So uh, those two players are absolutely sick, uh, and, and I, I'm really excited to see how they're going to be in, for Worlds Forum. Uh, who's the third person that qualified at Beast? Uh, Goo Bums uh, and DQA. Goo Bums. Oh, oh, yeah. Goo Bums. Oh, man. Goo Bums is the best player in North America right now based on the server. Just like he has, he, he actually has so many tricks up his sleeve that he didn't even whip out during regionals that may or may not be relevant by world's time. But the man has a bunch of tricks uh, and tech ready to go. And that on top of like his solid play, I think over the course of 12 games and two days, he played 10 different compositions. And the ones that he was repeating are like Kha'Zix carry, which is just very unusual. So he's extremely flexible uh, and very technically sound. Um, and then DQA, I mean, he, he, when, when he's dialed in, he's really good. So we'll see if he's prepared for Worlds. But I think he's taking it very seriously. And last Worlds, he was definitely one of the best players there. So I, I think NA is setting a really solid roster overall. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and Appies, if you want to go, you feel free to, to cut me off. But like, I, I last time around with Reckoning, there was, at least for me, I know when, when I heard we we're sending Milk, Robin, Spencer, to me, I felt like this is it. Like, this is the roster NA is going to send to win the world championship. I mean, Milk, like basically when he's on, is the best player maybe in the world. Robin and Spencer, both of which had dominating performances in every event they entered. Obviously with Robin, Robin having like the you know, win, 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 lag, win, win at, at regionals too. Like there was so much confidence going in. And I actually, I, for me, to be completely honest, something about this group feels a bit more like ragtag than last time. Like DQA not being as prepared as he has been for other for other runs in the past. Goose, someone who, I mean, even Dan and, and Bryce have talked about it in Don't Talk If You Don't Know, like this idea that like sometimes Goose just sacrifices the end game in order to have a strong board at the moment. And it oftentimes leads to, leads to his downfall um, in, in tournament where these lobbies are getting super capped. And then, I, I mean, milk and goobums, I think I actually feel really good about. I, I, I think for me, like there's, there's a part of me that does feel like, and maybe it, maybe it's like the trauma of seeing North America fail over and over again. And where it's not that we're bad, but we just have, we're the only major region that hasn't won yet. That like I don't know if I really have the same level of confidence that I have had in past sets. I um so I want to talk. I want I want to speak on the I think a lot of the ragtag feeling can be. Uh, I think a lot of like, the two people who I think people are surprised potentially are there. Um, people that have been following the scene just don't know how good players are. Is are Goose and and Goobums. I'll talk about Goobums in particular. Uh, so I think Goobums is, is a player who. So over the course of the set, right, 
Um, I will say if I if I feel like I've had two players who I personally would consider like a, like a rival or like someone who um, a place that I really respect and that I feel like we just um, only head to head. It's like like Gooms in a go for me, hundred percent, right? So I feel like I've been paying a lot of attention to how Gooms plays and like you know I've been a lot I've been a lot of tournaments with him over the course of the set. Um, like we tied for like qualifier points at the end of the set uh, as well, right? So I feel like we have a decent amount of history, so I can feel pretty confident talking that. I think Gooms is right now definitely the best player in North America, like like Dan said. Uh, he's just had like he his play style is so it's so consistent. You know, he, he sets himself up to be in a spot like he, he he very rarely low rolls because he sets himself up very well to not low roll. Uh, and people like he's not a flashy play style, right? It's not like he's not making these like like crazy boards all the time or you know doing these big one turn roll downs like a Spencer or a DQA, but uh, he really embodies this style of TFT of like minimum variance and like minimizing variance and maximizing consistency that like he is so good at it. He is so so good at it. He's, he's pretty pretty time and time again this set, you know, constantly uh, at the top of top of every single tournament. So yeah, I think Gooms is insane. He's gonna be amazing. He's not a name that people look at much though, again, because he doesn't have a lot of flashing points to his play, I would say. Um, Goose, on the other hand, is a player who's been you know, he's been talked down a lot, I think. Uh, not, not not necessarily for no reason, right? Like he's had very very poor current results uh, for a long time, and it was very evident that his play style needed to change. Something, something needed to change, otherwise he wasn't going to keep up. Uh, and he, he did it. Like I mean, I've been talking to him a lot recently, um, and you know he's been grinding. He's been sweating his ass off to get to where he is. You know, him watching Foz for the first time, like that's insane. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm so excited to see how. Right, uh, he's so good already. He can he can really take it to the next level, and he's he's shown that like this set, he really especially with everyone kind of sleeping on him, and again not unwarrantedly, un- unwarrantedly, I don't think that's a word, but uh, you know there was there's good reason to sleep on Goose, but he is he's really shown that he's now willing to put the time and the effort in and to really set himself up to the next level. So I think there's some ragtag feeling to some like Gooms Goose getting in there, but you know they have really taken they put it put a ton of work in and taking the next step to the set. I feel like the the last thing I wanted to talk about before we start bringing in some callers is the last second I mean last chance qualifier um which is coming up eventually hopefully very soon uh and we have all of the representatives for it they're ready to play they're loaded into the lobby I'm sure they're literally just waiting for the variety to say, <laughs> to say play uh but in Latin in Latin it's America fun. it's it's green being and to Tewisito. Uh, NA, Ramblin and Nico, EU is Jing and Sa- uh, Sadi. And in Brazil is Slooper and Euso Lucas, which which really stood out to me. I, I, two very, I mean, I feel like high profile names in Brazil that actually made it into the the last chance profile, uh, the, the last chance qualifier. Um, I kind of thought before everything got announced that it was going to be like, oh, NA, EU is definitely going to take those two spots. And from what I heard of the Latin American representatives, they're actually they're both quite good, um, or at least they have they've strong reputations in in the in the region. And then obviously, like I said, Brazil sending Slooper and Lucas. Lucas I, I, was Slooper in set three worlds. He was right. Uh, let me look it up just to verify. I know if he wasn't in set three, I mean, Slooper is a, is a name a lot of people in TFT know out of the Brazilian region. Ayuso Lucas obviously making it into the world that stage. Sounds right. In uh, in set five as well. It actually, it, it's a little scary. It's a little scary, but 
I feel pretty good about Ramblin' and Nico. I feel like if if NA was going to send two people into a last chance qualifier, I feel I feel good about sending Ramblin' and Nico. I think those are two very good picks. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, I think Ramblin's like an obvious pick. Is to he's he's right up there, like with Goons, you know, probably in contention for best player in NA in everyone's mind, and for good reason. And then, I mean, and it he, he's like the clutch king. I feel like, like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes he's clutching, sometimes he's not the clutch king. But I have so much faith in him. Yeah, I think that North America still has players who are putting their best foot forward, and. Uh, it feels like when I watch other regions, I'm starting to see the actual depth that North America has that other regions don't. Um, there's like one or two players that are impressive in all the regions that I'm watching, but it does feel like there's a lot of uh, there's, there's a surprisingly lack of strong players across the board that are consistent in quality. When I'm watching like OCE, for example, like OCE, uh, a couple of players made some outstanding plays, but a lot of really bad play. Just being very frank. Uh, and they were in my chat, like talking about like, yeah, I played awfully this game. I was so nervous. Uh, and so uh, it's really about delivering, right? I think more and more we have to move away from what we believe to be peak potential in TFT and start evaluating their current condition a lot more. And I think that uh, we love to talk about what people could be, right? Um, spicy Appies, right? Appies, his ceiling is incredibly high, but how is he feeling that day? Uh, or that weekend or that patch is going to matter so much more in terms of who understands the patch really well. Like Ramblin always understands it. And I think Emiko is just being so diligent, working night after night. I'm Bob, Remu Bob reviewing pretty much every night. Guess who's doing it with me every night? It's Emiko. He stays until he's basically it ready to drop dead. He was about to, he's like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. And then I was like, oh, I'm about to start VOD reviewing like OC. He's like, okay, I'll stay up and watch OC. Then we watch all of OC. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch China. He's like, okay, I'll stay up and watch China. The dude is putting in so much work and effort, um, and he's really putting in the time that I'd be very surprised if he's not at least contending for one of those top two spots, if not winning one of them outright. Man, it would feel so good yeah. to have six reps at Worlds this year. Can you imagine? We could literally have an all-NA lobby. Too. I mean... Well, not really, but... It's wrapped up. It's yeah, in the yeah, for sure. It's a wrap. There's a wrap. There, there's there's a wrap. No as I yeah, it's a wrap. It's actually... <laughs> All right, so... With that, I think I think it's time to start bringing in some callers. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna drag someone in right there, just so everyone's know. So everyone knows, if you are in Discord and uh, you're waiting for your your take to be picked, uh, just be on the lookout because you're probably muted right now. But I'm gonna bring you in. All right, looks like we have our first caller right now, uh, Mr. Incredible. Thanks for joining us. Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from Florida. All right, what do you want to talk about? Um, uh, it's I don't think it's that hot of a take, but I'm pretty new to the game. I've been playing for a few months, and I feel like the barrier of entry for TFT is just too damn high. Like it's just so hard to learn this game, and and for the game to be this hard to learn, as someone coming in with at least like zero league knowledge too. And it's like actually kind of criminal for that not to be an in-game tutorial for this game. What what is the tutorial system like? Does anyone actually know? Yes, I played it twice. Uh, the only tutorial that exists is on mobile, and they introduce you to the very bare minimum concepts like the carousel and what like what these little boxes are. They're items. 
um, and how to buy champions and what you're going to be doing with them. Um, it doesn't do it. And then it kind of just drops you off in the deep end right afterwards. I very much agree. I think the new player experience is quite poor in TFT. Um, and it's also a community that already caters very much to the hardcore. So if there's one major area of growth, I think people talk about all kinds of concepts of what TFT needs the most. But I think if one of the objective truths is that its new player experience could be greatly improved across the board. Um, and, you know, it's funny because Mr. Incredible comes from Hearthstone Battlegrounds. That's where I know him from because I casted him. Uh, okay. So it's good to hear from you. Uh, and so he already has a very strong fundamental grasp on auto battlers and concepts around that. He's he's an elite, elite player, right? He's like top two on ladder in, in a very competitive game that's even you know more difficult to climb, in my opinion, than TFT at times. Uh, just because in, in Battlegrounds, by the way, if you get like third or fourth, a lot of times at the top of the ladder, you lose. Oh, OP. yeah, for sure. Is it, it's still eight it's players? It's really bad. It's still eight? Yeah, it's eight players. But once you're uh, when you're in like maybe the top 10 or 15, you'll lose MMR for third. third. Yeah. Yeah, you have to top two. Oh, that sounds horrible. Like, that's the kind of edge you have to have because they, they don't have protective LP gains like for a fourth. So you can't play for fourth at all. <laughs> um, it's brutal. So he understands it. And yet he's telling you that it was very difficult to get yeah, in. It, it, I believe it. It, it was like impossible for me to learn this game. Like it, 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 I, I like hardcore played this game. And I would say for a solid like week and a half, I couldn't even recognize the units on my bench because I, I like I had zero, like zero baseline knowledge. <laughs> Yeah, so so I, I'd like to chime in here real quick. So uh, a lot of people know uh, a month ago, actually literally a month ago yesterday, I had my second child, um, which has been great. Ooh. Yeah, it's been awesome. Obviously, yes. I have not been playing as much TFT, but I, I honestly, I was really trying to play as much of this set as possible just because I wanted to keep up with content creation. I wanted to do my best for the Don't Talk If You Don't Know panel, which had so, its own sort of controversy with my soulless pick. Uh, but... I, I, I've played probably 40-something games, 45 games, some, somewhere around there, which to a casual fan, I feel like is actually a, a decent amount. I mean, you're talking about, about a game a day, right, since the, since the set's come out. Um, I feel like I know nothing about this set. I actually feel like there's still so much, and, and I'm not like super high MMR. I'm, I'm Masters right now. Like It's not like I'm super high up there. There is something about TFT that actually just requires so much time in order to get it. And, and, and maybe this is a bit disconnected from what the take is because uh, Mr. Incredible, I know, is talking a bit more about like the new player experience. But I actually feel like that disconnect, it, the disconnect exists at the high level as well. Um, where, where and, and actually, I talked to Frodan about this uh, a couple weeks ago where when I was having my kid... Uh, was didn't have like a ton of time to invest into games. I was watching the LCS because I could watch, I could invest about an hour or two per week into the LCS and feel very connected to the game, feel connected to the competitive scene, feel like I needed to have, I had everything that I needed to know in order to get it, in order to feel like I was a part of it. And in TFT, it's really hard to only give an hour or two a week and get it. it th this game takes a lot of time. Appies, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, well, I saw. I want to say real quick that Mr. Credible recently top three the the Appies community oh, tournament. Shoot. So as much as you oh, say he's had a freaking end of the game, he's a god. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, besides that, yeah, no, I think so. The entrance to barrier or the entrance barrier to TFT again, like the the week to week thing, or like 
you know, trying to invest a small amount of time in the game and then keeping up with it is basically impossible, right? Like, I, I play a game full time, you know, eight hours a day, and then during tournament season, like, you know, I'll, I'll play or watch like 12 hours a day, and I still fall behind if I take like a day off. Um, the game changes very quickly. But uh, even beyond that, you know, the entrance barrier is super high, or the entrance barrier, the barrier to entrance is still super high. Uh, it's a problem that um, I think I've been feeling a lot recently because my brother actually just got into TFT. And he, so he started in set six, and he, he just had, he played a little bit of league as a background in like, like set season two or three. Uh, so he recognized some champions, and he just had no idea how to play the game at all. We played double up together. And he would one trick the hell out of Ligmon and be rolling at like like level seven for his Ligmons and, and like like holding those one cards. It's, you know, there's so so much going on at all times that uh, like some kind of tutorial or some kind or you know some kind of better tutorial or some kind of like set of like step by step guides in the game I think would be really huge. But it's something that I don't know if Riot's going to undertake or. Well, so uh, I want to play devil's advocate a little bit here because. As much as we say, like, the player experience isn't great for casual or new players, the casual player base is gigantic. Like, it's significantly larger than the competitive player base, right? And I feel like the, the majority of people who do play TFT play extremely casually, just judging by, like, if you look on LOL Chess and, and look at, like, you know, do the math to see how many total players are in ranked or whatever... There are a lot of players not investing a ton of time, I, and I don't really know why, because at least to me, I feel like if I don't know what's going on in this game, it's very not fun for me, um, but it does feel like something is working for the casual fan, right? No, for sure. I think, uh, yeah, so we're looking at it from a competitive uh, standpoint, right? We're like, I think getting, playing the game competitively is very frustrating at first, because you're like, I have no idea what's going on, I have no idea how to get better, yada, yada, yada. But I, so, you know, just as much as my, um, as I said, my, like, playing double with my brother could have been painful at times, uh, he was having a hell of a time just, like, hitting the DP, <laughs> hitting his Ligmas. And, you know, uh, my girlfriend as well got in TFT at, like, like three, set 3.5, plays it on and off, and she has no idea what the fuck's going on half the time. And she has more fun with the game than I do. And, I mean, <laughs> I, she has so much, you know, she's like a Cassiopeia one trick in 3.5, um, she's like a like a Hellion one trick and, and set five, and she'd have like she'd if I try to give her advice, she'd say like like no, I don't <laughs> want your advice. I'm just playing my game, man. <laughs> yeah, I think that a lot could be done to make TFT more approachable. I think you know content creators. I mean, basically what you're describing is a big hole of content mm -hmm. uh, where there's people that could just create introductory courses of TFT, but that does bring to a core concept that's. A little bit difficult not everybody wants to study for like 10 hours before playing their first game uh not everybody wants to be completely lost and dropped in and left to explore but at the same time there is a little bit of magic to it as well right minecraft doesn't teach you how to play they just kind of drop you into a server and then you just kind of learn to build and the discovery of how to play minecraft is pretty much half the charm and then the other half is like discovering all the crazy uh, like mods and different things that you can do to make the end game feel deeply rewarding and, and quite vast. And I think TFT has similarities where it's simultaneously like uh, a, a game that 
like frustrates and also entices the new player. And I think that it, it, it happens on the other extreme as well. It's so enticing to a competitive hardcore player, but it's also exhausting to keep up. And yet at the same time, it feels so tiresome to see the same comps played all the time. And you want innovation and freshness, but then you realize <laughs> it's only been four days. And yet how, how on earth are we supposed to do anything else uh, in, in TFT? It's, it's kind of wild. There's so many forces at play going on. Which almost makes me feel like it's a representation of what a TFT game is, right? There's so much chaos and uncertainty, um, and, and, and you just have to do whatever you can. Uh, so I, I don't know the, the correct solution. I think what it is is people like me, Gangly, and Appies, it's up to us to, to help educate uh, a lot of the audience who's willing to listen to us. So uh, may maybe that's um, something that we should be exploring more. I know Gangly actually does some fun shorts on TikTok. Right, you did like a Shaco guy. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't done him uh, since since the baby. But yeah, I, I used to do like these little one minute TikTok guys, and that was the the idea was like, how do I make something that is catered to the casual audience? Like the guys aren't perfect. Like a lot of the guys I made even for for set six were made in PVE, where like people were still figuring out like what the comps are going to be. So like half the comps are suboptimal, but like for the casual viewer, I don't think it really matters if you're giving them the perfect roadmap as, as long as you're giving them a path to follow. I feel like that's what like yep. casual content should be is like, you don't, it doesn't matter how, how good it is because it'll probably work for someone in silver or gold. And at the, at the very least it'll teach them how to look for an end game, how to get comfortable playing a mid game that leads them to their end game, you know, give them a, a path to follow and eventually they'll find their way there. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I, I definitely agree with the take, uh, Mr. Incredible. Was there anything you wanted to add about it? Uh, not, not necessarily. I think you guys, uh, covered it pretty well. Um, definitely something that you don't need to address, but another, another huge, uh, that I had to get over it was understanding streamers using uh, acronyms like IE, JG. I did not know <laughs> at all what we were talking about. Like, yeah. it made zero sense. Oh, yeah. But, but and that's now they another, mispronounce like, things. Yeah. They mispronounce things for disingratiator. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, I heard that today one? for the first time, actually. Well, it was just like milk. Like, every, every milk. Well, milk he just... said Jerry. What's Jerry? <laughs> yeah. Jerry. Zeri. Oh, oh. Just calls it Jerry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that. Uh, I would say, because a couple sets ago, I made a, like a TFT dictionary video that I put up on my YouTube channel. But at this point, the vocabulary is scaled. Outdated. Yeah, it's scaled way yeah. too hard. I can't keep up. <laughs> I mean, you got you got to do a new one for every mid, like, 0.5 set at least. Like, 6 to 6.5 to 7 to 7.5. You can just do an updated dictionary. It's easy content. True, true, true. You might as well just toss the Twitch emotes, too. Like, the, the new hot Twitch emotes. Yeah, yeah. I need... Like all the all the double J ones coming out, where it's, like, dead with D, J, J. It's, like, <laughs> dead, like despair. I need, like, you know, uh, there's a... Um, so so we it. talked about Smash at the top of the show. It's funny because I think all three of us are very big Smash fans or even coming from Smash in the past. Uh, there was a content group that used to do Smash tutorials. And it would just mm -hmm. be explaining concepts, whether super advanced or really basic stuff. And um, it was done by a, a nice team of people uh, headed by one of my friends, Kira. And they stopped doing things for the most part. But I think that would be super valuable at least to get something out there for TFT players. Because 
when they say go watch streamers, well, first of all, uh, not everybody can watch Twitch that wants to watch Twitch with the live chat experience. You know, it's like it's not for everybody. Uh, and, and second of all, it's like, you know, that, that still doesn't help them. Like, who should they be watching? And like, uh, if they, it's like, OK, you should watch Appies, but Appy is only online for a certain amount of period during the day and they need little bit more help so i think that tft can also continue to grow a lot by just expanding to different platforms there's like no tft presence on tiktok there's no tft presence on instagram there's no tft presence really on youtube in my opinion like there's some fun meme games but not in terms of educational content uh there's a Three lot of star five cost blows up entire board just to yeah, I, I i don't want to spend yeah. too much time on this i do want to just make one one kind of last point on this to kind of um, wrap it up though is just you know one of the issues with the idea of making educational content even when it is well wrapped concise you know whatever it, you know just high quality content is that educational content is never going to get the same viewership as the highlight content it just never is and I think that it's difficult, at least for like streamers or people who are trying to make this game their 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 livelihood. It's hard to justify spending a lot of time to make a high quality, concise piece of content that requires pre-production, production, and then oftentimes having to find an editor who can work with you on it, only for it to get a quarter of the viewership you got from uploading a VOD. Uh, and there, it is difficult to do it. And to me, I actually feel like that's where like finding outside investment. Um, or like finding a way to, to make it worth your time or just people who are like super passionate about it and don't need to rely on, on it for income. Um, it, it is important because it's hard to ask the streamers to make that kind of content because they are running a business, so to speak. And, and to ask them to, to spend time doing suboptimal things on their own channels when they're trying to grow, to me, I think isn't necessarily fair. Um, so, so it's hard to find that balance of how do we make this content that's going to be educational, that's going to be useful, but at the same time can allow a streamer or a content creator to grow. Um, and I, I don't know the answer. And that's something obviously with my own YouTube channel, I've tried to, you know, kind of find that answer. Um, I think it's just a, a, a long process and I do hope to see the new player experience improve in the future. Um, so Mr. Incredible, thank you so much for the call. Uh, before you go, is there anything you'd like to shout out? Uh... Uh, not really. Just uh, <laughs> keep watching TFT, everyone. And uh, right. thanks for having me. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Damn, nice. Our it's only a matter of time before he's a player that we talk about as an up-and-coming competitor. I think he, he, when I watched him in tournaments, he was making some really impressive plays, Really? So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't cast Battlegrounds right now, um, but when I casted it last year with Admirable, it was really good stuff. Like, And they actually just hosted a tournament, so Battlegrounds has some high-stakes stuff. Personally, I prefer TFT right now, but, I mean, he clearly has a good mind for it, so I'm sure we'll be talking about it. He's already finding success. So. Yeah, so you said he won your community tournament? Or top three? I mean, top three. I think he got third, if I remember, but it was like a pretty big field, and yeah, he just was popping off the entire day. It was like like by like one or two points, he, he didn't win. So he's just been he's been the god. Let's go, let's go, Mister Incredible. All right, well let's let's keep it going with our next caller. I'll bring him in right now. All right, all right. Lear is here. Uh, Lear, Mike's music. All right, you're good. All right, yeah, Lear, where are you calling in from? Uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. All right, a Canadian up near Appy's territory, technically, I guess. A little bit, <laughs> uh, but 
Something like that. <laughs> Lear, what do you want to talk about Wait, on the show? Is Abby's Canadian? No, no, he's New Hampshirean. Oh, because that would explain really? a lot if he was Canadian. Okay. Just because he's nice? It would. Yes, it would explain your demeanor. <laughs> so the, the take I wanted to talk about is just that I think, um, I legitimately think that major content creators being overly negative about the game and talking about how results are mostly RNG and not tied in with your skill as a player at the top level um, is actually a really bad thing for the game. And it negatively affects the perception of the game to the degree of even harming TFT's growth and success. Um, like, I think it was just, just for like one example, I think it was just last week, um, a certain popular streamer in front of his thousands of viewers said, uh, this game is all luck. Anyone can go pro in this game. Even if you're hard stuck gold, if you get lucky enough, you can make it the worlds. So I just think stuff like that is, uh, not the best. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ferdinand, you want to take this? I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's not just last week. He says it every day. Uh, so, you know, there, it's definitely something to take in context, right? Like, it's one thing if Appy says it. It's another when Soju says it. Um, and so I just want to clarify that it's something that's part of what he does. He, he complains, he rages, he gets upset, and that's why people like to watch him. Um, so I, I actually have I, my, my opinions on this waver back and forth. My first instinct is to agree and say, yes, uh, you know, set, setting a bad image in, into impressionable viewers minds is, is a really dangerous thing to do. And it's not necessarily just about the state of the game, but about a lot of stuff. Right. That's why it's disappointing when creators, you know, fall for scams and try to promote really shady type of behaviors or when they do something that's considered to be morally questionable whether or not they're stealing or, or they're like supporting like a really bad political stance or whatever there's a lot of ways for for people to be disappointed in their careers and what they're voicing but i think that uh the more i get to understand content creators the more i realize that people watch them because they can really communicate and relate to the feelings that they're expressing and so when people play tft the reality is a huge portion of the player base do actually feel this kind of frustration and they want someone to almost embody that in, in a way and, and have it visually represented on the screen and that's what makes it really fun if tft wasn't a game that had high variance and didn't have ridiculous high roll low roll moments then this kind of uh, behavior would one uh be completely like untrue and and people wouldn't really respect that opinion. And, and two, uh, it wouldn't even be a popular thing to, to, to say, right? Like, take, take, take this exact situation and put it in, like, a Valorant streamer perspective. If they just complained that entire way, like, they'd be laughed out the door. But in some ways, it does reflect the way a lot of the viewer feels. Um, so the, the, the summary of this is that I think that Yes, it does damage the image in the in some of the minds of the people who are really impressionable, who can't really see nuanced perspective. But on the other hand, it's almost a byproduct of the game being as big as it is. Um, because I don't think we should ever ask, especially content creators and streamers above everybody else, to kind of fake their feelings or like repress things or, or just not be able to speak their mind. Um, and, and I think that this kind of uh community rallying behind you know somebody that's like as i've spoken as this is it's just really commonplace in any game it's not necessarily just tft exclusive 
Uh, so I, I, I would say that overall, I'm okay with that being the, the, the like that Soju is like this. Um, I do wish that he would reel it in every now and then, but I think that ultimately he brings a lot of good with what he's trying to do. And the fact that he can be himself and still express honesty also makes the highs really good because what, what you're not seeing is how often he's praising the game. I mean, the dude just play 10 hours on a pretty bad patch just just being very objective i don't really like this patch very much at all um and he was just the first thing he did was uh try to promote smaller streamers which is very healthy for the community and then he queued up another game with other people who are streaming and saying i'm just having so much fun tft is really fun and so like i i think people don't highlight that enough they just look at the negative and i think it goes both ways if we're going to be Holding people to standards of saying, like, please, you know, be careful about, like, what you say. We also have to understand that there's times where they're also being very positive and helpful for the game as well. And we have to treat them as humans, not as, like, puppets and robots that need to say everything perfectly. Yeah, just to kind of bounce off that, it, it does remind me, actually, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're talking about Soju um, in, in this specific example, although it applies to many other people as well. Um, but it, it reminds me in set four... Or 4.5, I think. Yes, at 4.5, Soju was very vocal on stream, uh, but just about how he wasn't feeling that the game was in a very good state. And at the time, I had actually scheduled an interview with him. Um, he was one of the first first interviews I actually had ever done. And in the interview, I asked him something along the lines of, I know you've been really negative on stream about how you feel about the game right now. But is it safe to say that you still enjoy TFT? And and Soju, I remember thinking the way he responded, it was almost like he couldn't believe that I suggested that he doesn't actually love TFT, even though on stream he was being very negative about it. The thing is, and I, it kind of goes back to, to what Dan was saying, I think the nature of like a high variance game is that there are such like a high and low of sometimes feeling like, yes, even when I make a mistake, sometimes the mistake I make doesn't actually warrant the end result, where a small mistake can lead to an eighth, but a small mistake can also reward you and end you up in a first. And sometimes that's just how the game goes, and it's really hard to kind of, you know, feel stable about that. Um, I do generally agree, though. I, I think that it is the responsibility of any public figure to be aware of the power you have. Um and I, I, I think that there's a balance of, like, recognizing people are human uh, and understanding that, like, this platform is an extension of who they are and how they're feeling at the moment, and that's okay. But at the same time, when, when you do have all these people listening to you, I mean, you have a responsibility to, to what you're feeding them. Uh, Appy's, do you, I mean, obviously, you're, like, the streamer of the three of us here. Like, what, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I can put it any better than how yeah, they put it, but I mean, I think uh, I think Soju really has his. So streaming is like entertaining, right? It's entertainment. You're you're creating content. You're you put an image out there that's entertaining. You uh, stream around that image. You you know you work around that. And I think the way he does that is like I mean, no one can say that Soju is not so super fucking fun to watch. He is so fun to watch, right? Like. You know, as much as he says, and it's just like, it can feel really bad when he says like, like TFTs, all luck, whatever. Uh, like, I think it's part of his character too that 
like you know he he loves TFT. Like like Gang was saying, like I I mean, there's no question in my mind that Soju fucking loves TFT. I mean, you wouldn't play a billion hours of the day if you love TFT, right? Um, of course, uh, I think I'm framing in a way that makes it sound like kind of irresponsible almost to just you know create this entertaining character. Not that I mean, he's not that he, like everything he's on the stream is a character or anything, right? Like that is Soju. Uh, um, but you know he exaggerates is what I'm trying to say. He, he exaggerates saying that like like you know he doesn't actually think that a gold player can become pro in TFT is lucky enough, right? Uh, the thing and then kind of dangerous there is that like when someone in chat doesn't realize that he's exaggerating, which I think most of his chat definitely realizes like that's not true. Like no, like you know it's it's like he, everyone's venting yada yada yada, right? Uh, you know there'll be a couple people who say who who are like oh fuck yeah like I, I agree with that I'm, I'm a gold player but I could be in the, I could win regionals if. If more thought blessed me as much as blessed Appy's game one of day one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think the amount of people that do feel like that, or that do take them for face, at face value, is are, are very few, far between. I, I think, like, there's a line that gets crossed every now and then, not just by him, um, but by any, you know, any TFT uh, influencer. <laughs> uh, you know, in your position where you have a lot of sway on public opinion and, and whatever, like, you have to be careful what you say, um, but I, I don't think it's like, like obviously it'd be better for the game if, uh, you know, everyone was all like TFT takes an immense skill, we're all warlords of the game, like like five head gods, uh, but I mean that's not the case either, right? Like that's not true. That's just as untrue as saying like a gold player can win regionals. So I think it's fine for there to be um, negativity, but. I think there's a certain line that gets crossed every now and then. I don't think it gets crossed often, though, I will say. Uh, Leah, we're going to move on to our next caller in just a minute, but is there any, anything you wanted to add before we move on? No, yeah, I think I think you guys have a lot of great points. I think just uh, what I really dislike seeing is when people use that to fuel negativity um, towards people, like real human beings like Mortdog and the TFT down a dev team oh, that's, working that's, really, that's really sure. hard, that's for sure. sure. 100% agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that overall, um, the behavior of people on the internet in general is, is quite reprehensible when it starts to coming down to like what they do with what their favorite person is saying about a topic, right? So they say like, oh, I'm going to take action into my own hands in order to direct message uh, <laughs> my de a developer or an organizer or even <laughs> casters or players, right? Like exactly my unfiltered thoughts. Uh, yeah, let's just say it. Social media is a mistake, but you know, at the same time, it's it's given us Facts. a lot of platform to be able to share, and I think it's just kind of taken good with the bad, right? The internet has so many bad things about it, but it's also done some pretty incredible things. And I think streaming and getting live reaction and connecting to the human element has done a lot. It's helped us really be fond of these player storylines, right? Like I would have never gotten to know Appies if he wasn't a streamer, and I wouldn't be cheering for him and getting to know him and being able to call him a friend. But at the same time, that is also the downsides of of what streaming is, and we're, we're learning slowly but surely how to how to improve that. And I think Soju is too. Just look at him. Just look at his rants in set two and set three. Like it was actually it's night and day. Set two and set three. I mean, this dude was straight up toxic, <laughs> straight up vitriol coming out of his mouth. I'm so glad that he's not doing that anymore. And two to three years from now, we'll see if he's able to continue to improve from there. Lear, anything you want to shout out before we go? Perfect. Uh, honestly, shout out to streamers like uh, Appies and Asa, Ram, Kev, and honestly, so many more. I can't even mention that. Just spread love in their communities and show how fun this game can be because the TFT community is honestly awesome. True, it is. Agreed. Thanks for all you do as well. 
Yep. All right. Well, take care, Ilir. Can I can I do like an opposite of a shout out real quick to this one guy on my games who said he wanted to go to Mortbox's house and punch him? Because that's the kind of guy. That's the kind of guy who embodies the opposite side of it. Yeah. Anyway, that that that's just say that that happened. Like some guy in my game just said he wanted to go to Mortbox's house and punch him because he loaded his game, and that's fucking insane. Like yeah, that's, that is messed up. That's a reverse. <laughs> that's psychopath. I mean, it's, it's it's actually it's actually insane. Uh, that person. Yes. Is a yeah. It's psychopathic. Order. Um, and I also find it hard to believe that they would even be able to bring themselves to touch grass to go outside to find more dogs' <laughs> house. That uh, good take. Yeah. That's. Yeah. You know, if we are shouting out um yeah. people in Appy's Appy's stream anyway, I'm gonna <clears throat> quick shout out to Mateo for gifting me all of his Appies so that I could gamble them and lose in in Appy's. Chat. It's actually my favorite narrative of Appy's is of Appy's stream is that I go in there every day and gamble all of my Appy coins or whatever they are and lose them every day. All right, let's let like the bum outside the casino. <laughs> Everyone just is like here, have some have some money, and you go and spend them and walk out. Let's move on to our next caller. Uh, Hypnoticus is here. Hypnoticus, where are you calling from? Calling from Wisconsin. Wisconsin, very nice. Well, what do you want to talk about? Uh, my topic is. Uh, sorry, I had a little bit of echo there. Uh, my topic is the a mini tournament mode within the UI of TFT. I'd love to see something where, like, on the TFT page, they'd allow you to join like a tournament lobby based on like your rank. So it's like zero of eight, and once it fills up, a tournament would start, just like other games like MTG, Pokemon, stuff like that. And you'd you'd play three games and win prizes based off of your finish. And there'd actually be some sort of entry fee, like tickets that you could either buy with real money or the battle pass would give you some tickets, something like that. I think it'd bring something else to the game. And I think it'd be a lot of fun for people to like join these mini tournaments that could happen at any time. Okay. So one of the things I love about this is that, Oh, we kind of talked about this idea before the disconnect between the casual and the competitive TFT uh, player. I love the idea of introducing the game as a competitive esport um, to someone who just wants to play through the client. I think that that is very, very important to have. I, I think like any sort of native tournament or like um, competitive play built in client is going to lead to a lot of growth. I, I think, I mean, we've been talking about a lot of Smash on this podcast already, but like even the introduction of Slippy for the the melee scene of like having a client where people can actually just like directly connect have tournaments run through it now with like different uh, technological advancements like it has seen a boom in the COVID era because of the advancements of slippy just now that there is like a central hub of how this game functions i i, I think it's i think it would be great i would love it um i do think i mean i i think it like just comes down to like is it on the roadmap for, for Riot. I, is, is it the most important thing for them to worry about right now um, versus something like spectator mode? If you, don't, if you don't mind, I just want to jump in really quickly, if you don't mind. The one thing that, from like a point of view of seeing Mort stream sometimes is talking about like revenue and stuff like that, I, I feel like something like that could bring in a ton of revenue, which could then help them develop other things, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I think part of so on the surface, I, I don't disagree, right? Like, if if we could snap our fingers and try to put a bunch of resources into things that we think are cool, like there's a, there's actually a very long list, um, and that would be one of them, like a really cool competitive mode of TFT, um, on top of the other things that we could be doing. Um, I think the unfortunate reality is that 
if it was something that they felt confident would be as lucrative as you're describing, they would have already done that. Um, and the, the, the truth is that it probably isn't that profitable. I mean, look at the way Clash works in League of Legends, right? Like, it's, it's exactly what you're sort of describing. It's a way for people to be competitive. Uh, and there's all kinds of really neat things around Clash and League of Legends. Um, but it just doesn't seem like they, they, they've tried to do so many different iterations of it. And now it just comes back seasonally. And so uh, it, it is something that I think, you know, to your point, is deeply needed. I think there is a huge chasm. Like, to say it's a gap is, is underselling it. It's a huge chasm between a casual player that wants to be competitive. There's almost nothing for casual competitive, ca casual hyphen competitive. Um, and there's really nothing. It's pretty much just grind to challenger. And then when you do that, you have to find out ways to entertain yourself to try and push further beyond that. There really is nothing there. Um, and so I think what you're describing is we need something for the, to, to we're missing a couple steps along the way instead of just trying to ask people to watch maybe a tournament and be inspired to try to compete in it. But people who also just want to see how good they can be measured up against like their other friends or their skill tier specifically. So. I would love to see them like that, yes. Personally. I want to bounce off that real quick, Abby, then you can um, go. But Frodan, you might yeah. you might need to actually, you, you'd probably know this more than me. In StarCraft, okay, think like 2011, 2010, there was a company that would do daily tournaments that would, and they would have them like by rank. Like there was like a bronze to gold where you could win a dollar. Do you know what that was? Yes, I casted those. I entered those all the time. The Playhem tournaments. I used yes, to. Yes, that was actually where I got my them. casting start. <laughs> so believe it or not, it was one of the first like regular gigs as a caster that I used to have. It was like, uh, it was the Playhem daily, and it'd be like exactly what Gangly yes. said. It was like there were skill tiers. It was like bronze to gold, gold or platinum, gold, yeah. and it was like a one dollar prize to the first player's winner. And then there's like a hundred bucks for like a diamond game, and then like a thousand dollars for like a masters and above tournament. Um, there's just a lack of community tournaments in general in TFT, and believe it or not, there's actually a, a decent amount still happening. It just doesn't get a lot of attention. Uh, I think the Aegis esports people host like weekly yeah. tournaments all the time. They do a lot of work. Yeah, they're great. I um, I used to enter them every week. Uh, this is before, so there's like this. There's right before uh, like sets. I got kind of like stuck in, in this like grind grind tournament grind tournament cycle for for set six and six point five because all the big events started happening. But um, no, they're they're amazing. Like they run their events like very smoothly. There's one night things. They're actually running a league right now. Just like an ad. <laughs> they're running a league right now. It's like a multi week thing that a lot of people from my chat are are playing in. Um, and they're all having a blast with it. I mean, there's yeah, like, like Dan said, there are a lot of grassroots events out there. It's just the and like like Boise's events Boise's are amazing as well, right? Yeah. Uh, in these events, just I think this is a problem with, with TFT tournaments in general right now is that there's like no way to hear about them easily. You know, imagine like regionals. A lot of people probably didn't even know that was happening because it's you know like it's not on the Riot client. Like Riot doesn't tweet out like, hey TFT regionals are coming up. Uh, so you have to be following you know more thog on Twitter and then looking at the, the competitive subreddit over and over again every day to know when stuff's happening unless you're actually competing. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I mean I think a tournament system like like ingrained in the client would be amazing, but there's definitely a lot of steps before we'd ever be able to get there, right? Like I think the tournaments outside of the client are are so 
um, undersupported by by Riot as it is, that it's hard to uh, it'd be hard to see that happening before like all these other problems kind of get ironed out and. Hypnoticus, we're, we're running late on time, and I want to try and get one last caller in. Um, so it, before you go, is there anything you'd like to shout out? Yeah, I mean, shout out to streamers in general. Like, this just brings a lot of fun and entertainment to it. I mean, like, I, I watch Appies all the time, so shout out to the Spicy Appies Army. I mean, people like him drive me to make YouTube videos where I take Seven Nation Army, write TFT lyrics to it, and put a video up on YouTube and sing it to his chat. So, I mean, stuff like that is hilarious, and it's, it's a lot of fun to be a part of the community. Awesome. All right. Well, Hinoticus, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you later. Thank you, guys. All right. You know, he did that before Regional was so pretty you, sick. He did really gotcha. good voice, so he, He's singing them, or he had you sing him? He's singing them. You know, he he's made performing. a video. He's performing. Made, yeah, he's, he, what he a wrote beast. lyrics for, like, a, yeah. It's pretty, yeah, it was right, insane. He did it for GB. We've got one back. last caller uh, before we wrap up the show, so let's get him in here. Uh, Jake, I actually don't know how to pronounce your actual username, but Jake is here from Legends TFT. J W Lindel. Uh, your mic's muted right now, though, Jake. Jake from State Farms here. Oh snap! Always want to meet him. Jake. <laughs> oh no. All right. It seems Jake might be muted. just disconnected. I know he's having some power some power issues. Um, so I think I'm going to move him back then. I believe there's no one else, though. Um, I think that might all be all we have. I'm just going to wait for confirmation from Blind on that real quick. Um, but while, while I'm waiting for confirm uh, confirmation to see if we have anyone else that was waiting in the queue, uh, it's been pretty cool to hear from everyone, actually. This is it's just fun. I feel like it's the first time uh, like streamers get to hear the voice of the viewer. Like live uh, on the call. Mm. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. Uh, as if they, you know, they're all caps and their their hydras aren't enough. In the chat. But I'm actually yeah. waiting for the first episode where a viewer just comes on and just is say dropping the worst takes, being highly inflammatory, and just seeing how whoever is sitting in this seat responds to it because that's where things get really interesting when you have an impassioned viewer. Who legitimately believes TFT is, as they say, quote, a bad game, end quote. And and and, and they will argue to the death about how Mortdog does not deserve to be gainfully employed by any corporation in the United <laughs> States of America. And they truly believe that they are just the the statistical anomaly that they actually are just genetically unlucky compared to their average TFT player. I want a viewer to come on the show and actually argue. If not, I, just, I mean, I, I just want to see it for the for the lull. So if that happens, you gotta let me know, Gangly. I'm gonna be watching it on. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. All right, it does look like we have yeah. a caller. It's not Jake from State Farm, but it's the producer himself who actually said he has a take. It's Blind. Blind is here. Blind, where are you calling from? Oh, hello, longtime listener, first time caller. I'm calling from <laughs> Canada. It's a Canadian takeover. Let's go, Canada. Canada. Seriously. All right. Yeah. Blind, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, I actually want to ask this specifically to Frodan. Um, what is it like casting with the notorious tournament cameraman? What's it like? Oh, you mean the mysterious observer who sometimes yeah, yeah, the mysterious observer. Switch. Yeah. <laughs> What's it like casting with? Wait, them? I don't know what uh, this is. So. 
I don't know either. Oh, so I think what it is is that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Explain. Explain the question a little bit further. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so if you if you were to ever watch, uh, you know, one of the TFT tournaments, uh, they're the the casters uh, basically watch someone who's controlling the camera, um, who who just basically moves it at will. Um, like like for example, we'll, we'll be playing Mercs, and uh, we're we're on eleven loss streak, and it's great, yeah. and we cash out, and then. We, we see the chest just open and all these orbs drop out and then the camera just pans off to the next uh, person. Okay, okay. Um, and, and <laughs> this is just kind of like a re reoccurring theme. Like if you just watch Twitch chat and like Affies, you probably never experience this because you're always playing in you know, the high yellow tournaments. Um, Twitch chat's always just, just egging on the camera guy. But I wanted to know like as a caster, is, do you, are, you, are you prepared for that? Are you ready for the, the camera to just pivot or is it more like you just kind of roll with it when it changes? I mean, emotionally, I prepare myself, but I, I, I always hope that's not the case, right? It's, it's like a parent situation <laughs> with your kids. You just really hope they make the right decision, but you're just so prepared for them to not. Uh, and I feel the same way about observing. I'm not even a parent. I, I have a cat, and that is nowhere near the level extent of actually nurturing an infant. Um, but yeah, like it's, 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 you basically set yourself up. Casting is no different than playing. You have to be prepared for any kind of situation that comes up, and you can't truly ever practice everything ahead of a cast, but you can do as many situations or prepare for as many situations as possible, and that's ultimately the best way to go about it. Observing is the same way. We've given a lot of heated feedback. Um, you know, my, I, I, I'm probably the least liked person in the post-production meeting because if they say, do you have any final thoughts? It, I, I will rattle them all off. One time I kept the production for an extra like five minutes straight of just talking about everything I wanted better. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if, if people feel like after the cast, we just kind of like say, throw our hands up and say, yeah, whatever, we're done. That's not true. We, we give a lot of feedback and, you know, God bless the people at Wisdom. They had to deal with us because, uh, you know, after six hours of casting, we're really tired. So I don't think we're actually filtering or, or being as uh, polite as we should be sometimes. And they're very gracious about it. Um, observing TFT is really hard. Uh, and I, I also uh, think that it's, it's, it's a different thing that skill you have to learn. Just because you're good at TFT doesn't mean that you know the important moments in the game just by reading what what's happening through HP totals itself too. Like, okay, top challenger players, they barely even scout. And you're, and you're telling them that, you're, you're asking players who are not even at that level to be able to understand the flow of nuance of storytelling through just visual, like control of the camera. It's, it's very, very difficult. Uh, the one thing I told the observing team is that not everybody is the main character in a TFT story. Uh, it's okay that some tournament games, we're not going to show anybody. There's this one game that happened in regionals that I think I'll remember for the rest of my TFT casting career. It was Robin making a one HP comeback from Mercs, where he basically had to play like Renata 7 Chemtech, and that was, he was just stuck in this because he couldn't really pivot out of it, and he was at one HP. And his board looked like he was gonna at best like scrap together like a like a top four or like a fifth, but slowly but surely, systematically kept eliminating one player at a time. In that game, there is only one protagonist, and it's Robin Songs. Everybody else is a side character. I don't give. I, am I allowed to yeah, swear you're, you're on this swear. podcast? You're good, you're good. I don't give a shit if about DQA and his <laughs> random hex tech board. Yes, he was playing hex tech Sivir before the twelve point six patch, but like. 
he's just he's just a side character, right? Cool. Best supporting actor goes to DQA. Robin Songs is the main character of this story, and we didn't watch him till the very final moments of the game, and that is a travesty in my opinion. Because we missed out on this really cool, like, come from behind victory that you almost never really see, like, at, at like being that dramatic, uh, having an unusual situation. Um, so I'm trying to, like, communicate these things to the observing team. And I, I think they took it to heart. They're like, yeah, actually, it's a really good point. Sometimes we just got to say, like, hey, we haven't seen Appy's all game. And yes, he does something really cool, but he's not the main focus because he's probably not going to win. He's probably scrapping together, like, a fourth or a fifth. We should be focusing on what's actually the hype and the really important stories. And once we start nailing that down, TFT tournaments are going to level up again. All right, let me let me reframe this real sure. quick for Appies though. Uh, Appies, was there ever a moment in tournament where you were like, "I can't believe they didn't show that on broadcast"? Okay, I I think the whole there's been like one game where I felt very strongly about this was the uh, the whole beginning to mid game of that blue buff Chemtex bat NAR. Like, they didn't give a shit about my perspective. <laughs> yeah. And that game was fucking cool. That's all I'm gonna say. That game was wild. Uh, and they just, like, like they, they, I remember they panned on, I've watched the main broadcast for it, and they panned onto it, and, and you and uh, you and Bryce Dam, you're like, what the fuck? Where did this <laughs> Like, I've been on that Chemtech Blue Buff Gnar the entire fucking game, and they just didn't know. Uh, but no, I think in general, I'm like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of the cooler things I've done have been caught on camera most of the time, which I, I'm very grateful for because obviously it helps my brand and like, I'm happy about it. Like the, there's like that, that big pivot in, in Challenger series with like the, the Imperial Spat, Imperial Spat zigs and shit, which is probably one of the cooler ones. And I mean, I've been pretty happy in general with, uh, my, my, uh, broadcast time, but I think. I've been very lucky that because I've been upcomer this set, people like you know eyes have kind of been on me, and so people are a little more interested in my boards. And I've been very lucky to have that. But I'm sure there's a lot of storylines that we've just totally missed out on in, in these bigger tournaments because you know they don't see Kim Dyke blue buff, blue buff Nar until <laughs> until uh, until like five six when they're about to die. So, but you know, I mean, I think it's it's the learning process in general, though, right? So, I mean, I, I can't. I'm sure I'd be I'd be a really shitty. Uh, I'm sure it'd be much worse than they are, so I can't. Really I, I want to wrap this up uh, quickly, but I, one, I just want to add one quick point, and I think Dan kind of talked about it before that this idea of like a good player doesn't make a good storyteller, um, and I would even say a good someone who's going to play by play doesn't necessarily make them a good um, storyteller. I think like storytelling in in of itself is a skill that an observer probably needs to have, but also that a production team needs to have. Um, and there's a lot of different parts that go into that. I think even on a macro level, the idea of like having a pre-show or having um, content pieces that are coming out beforehand that are kind of setting the stage of like large picture, big picture storytelling um, that you can kind of follow game to game. Uh, and when you actually have a moment where these these stories come alive and start to actually culminate before your eyes, you can actually call that out on broadcast. Um, and I think that makes it a lot easier for an observer. Um, I think that one of my criticisms of the TFT landscape right now, or the competitive landscape, is that like the times that I make videos that are like five storylines going into the this tournament, it's like the only video talking about, or the only piece of content talking about like those storylines. And like, 
I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like half the time, like someone, someone could make a video or, a, a, you know, a, an article a million times better than what I could. And these stories could really come alive on broadcast in a way that I would never be able to do in a video. I just think there's a lot of content that could come together to build a gigantic mountain of story that would be so fun to watch on broadcast. And we are just, we're right at the bottom of it. I don't think we're, we're doing nothing. I'm just saying like, we haven't even started to like, really see what the broadcast in TFT can bring to the table. Um, and I hope that in the next year or so, we start to see more investment in the storylines of, of the broadcast that really bring these to life. Um, but Blind, thank you so much for the call. Is there anything you want to shout out before you go? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I want to shout out you, Gankly, for starting this. <laughs> what is going to be an amazing, amazing, I think, uh, radio podcast. Um, I will shout out to the community, uh, Team Fight Tactics Discord uh, that I admin, and also like, just shout out to the community at large. I think it's actually ridiculous that you, you can just come together. You and I came an hour before in Skype and just started to troubleshoot this, and Mort Dog came in. Uh, Bryce literally was here. Um, it, it's crazy that we're just reaching so far. Like Dark Nub is here. It's crazy that we're just banding together and, and 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 coming around this game that we love. And you're right, we just started the 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 beginning of this like we're we're just now exploring narrative and storyline and how do we elevate all of this at the beginning and it's just amazing shout outs to you guys thanks for doing what you guys do that's it i'm out all right thank you blind appreciate you coming on Peace. we'll see you see you later all right well i mean i guess that that just about wraps it up um i don't really have too many parting thoughts i do want to just thank frodan and appies both of you for for coming on obviously i mean this is the first time i'm doing this uh so you two didn't quite know what you're getting yourselves into but i appreciate you both taking out the time uh to uh you know just sit down and chat um let's just you know end the show with some shout outs frodan you have any shout outs uh, yeah, I want to give a shout out to uh, Gangly because um, there's no free lunch. Now I expect him to be helping out with Don't Talk If You Don't Know. We're probably going to do. <laughs> so Bryce and I talked about doing an episode before Worlds, but that does require us to do exponentially the amount of work to, in order to be able to understand the players in the regions. Um, but we might we might do something before it. We haven't 100% determined it. But either way, we're also going to have a final podcast rankings episode to wrap up all of set six and 6.5. And just that'll be definitive who were the best players uh, of the set. So that should be something to look forward to. That's going to be happening in a few weeks. Uh, so make sure you don't miss it. All right. Appies, any shout outs? Sweet. Yeah. Uh, I was just to Gangly. It's been amazing. I mean, you're the you're the biggest homie, the yeah, the big other Smash player and <laughs> the other Smash fan that I, I know. Ferdinand's also into Smash, but I've talked to Gangly a lot at, at Lack about it, so I'm, you know, biased here. Uh, and big shout out to uh, Tyrus Titus Podcast. Um, you know, Drachi, Remkev, we do it every Friday. Uh, another another podcast in TFT space. I'm really excited to see where this goes. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I do want to lay down a quick gauntlet, by the way. It's going to get real for a second. So today on Ladder... Dan was on his smurf. I didn't know it was a smurf. He took my LP. The next person to message me on Twitch with any proof that they took Dan's LP, I will personally get oh, this up. Uh, so, yeah, it just quick gauntlet. Um, oh, yeah, video proof or you know, image proof that you took his LP. Dead or alive. You, you can oh, take yeah, my you. LP. You can take my LP, but you know what you're never going to be able to take from me, Appies? 
My starting item on carousel. Oh shit! You're never gonna wait, be able wait, to wait. do that. I'm getting there. Bryce, Bryce showed me. He, he talked me through the tech, the momentum. Uh, my carousel's gotten so much better. It's it's gotten so much better. I promise. You know, I don't actually, believe last, you. Last thing I catch I, these hands. <laughs> no, no. Watch, watch. If you watch my my carousels at, re at regionals, they're actually clean. <laughs> Like, I, I slide right, right into right, Gerard right, every time. Wave dashing Boss. your way into the carousel. I see you. I see yeah, basically. Uh, I, I actually, I meant to point this out at the top of the show and totally forgot that I actually collected every active North American podcast host in order to make the first uh, episode of this podcast as successful as possible. Uh, so I appreciate you both falling for the tech. Uh, but shout out to Frodan and Appies. Uh, for, shout out to everyone who, who called in today. Seriously, it was so fun to actually get to talk to you all. Uh, here are some takes. Hope we get to do this again. My goal is to do this at uh, after the last chance qualifier. So I wish I had a date for you. I have no idea. Hopefully it's before <laughs> Worlds. Um, but we will have another one of these Hyrule radios. Uh, the goal is to have it bi-weekly. Hopefully it works works out that you know that's actually what the schedule is. But I mean, other than that, that's that's really all I have. So thank you all for listening to episode one of Hyrule Radio, and we'll catch you next time.